Bienvenidos a Latino y, Vegano, Latino y Vegano, un show donde se habla todo lo relacionado sobre el veganismo entre la comunidad latina. Latinoyvegano.com Hey, what's going on, guys? This is episode number six. And in this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with a longtime friend, Mr. Robert Sheik. I uh, met Robert a long time ago. Actually, we're going to a little bit of how we met and some of his stories. He also talks about his experience with the Latin community. And he also uh, mentioned some of his latest projects. So please stay tuned. This is going to be part one of that interview. And here you go, Mr. Robert Cheek. Robert, can you hear me? Hold on, hold on. There you go. All right. Can you hear me? Man, I like this style, buddy. I like this style. <laughs> oh, man. You know how it is. <laughs> how you doing? Can you, uh, I've never used Zoom before. I tested it last night with Karen. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you okay. Yeah. I can okay, hear you I just okay. got the regular the regular uh, speaker and microphone built into the, hey, to the MacBook. That works. That works. Hey, anything to communicate these days, right? Cool, man. I hope you haven't <laughs> waited too long. No, 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 no. I just got in. Um, I was actually testing the equipment, make sure everything's working on my end as well, making sure my communication is fine and my angles are well. So, um, so yeah, no, I wasn't waiting too long. Appreciate okay, that. good. My hair is getting kind of tall. Got to see that will fit in the screen there. <laughs> yeah, so, so do I. They co I'm coming back to the flat top days, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to choose it up a little bit. But now, since it's kind of hard, to get out this day, so I'm gonna have to just, just shave it. I don't know, maybe go back to like G.I. Jane days, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, so uh, so what you been up to? Oh man, um, so we moved to Colorado like okay. three weeks ago. Okay, okay. So, so we just got here. Uh, yeah. It was funny, we, we left Arizona, it was uh -huh. like, I mean, 75, almost 80 degrees, sunny, mm -hmm. all that kind of thing, and then drove to Colorado and it just, poured snow on us, just dumped snow on us. The, the first two days we were here was like, wow. it was pretty cool actually. We were just covered in snow. I got okay. some pretty cool photos out there. Yeah, and yeah. it's actually gonna snow four times next week. So serious, four yeah, times. Yeah, we're here mid-April. Mid-April, <laughs> we got, it's gonna be, yeah, high of 30 degrees for two days in a row with snow. So it's gonna stick, cause it's cold. Right. And, uh, and then two other days later in the week, snow coming back, so, uh, so, um, it's good, you know. Um, okay. Uh, Karen took a, a new job out here in Colorado, and we're just yeah. uh, enjoying the new landscape. So right now we're in a uh, a temporary rental house, yeah, um, yeah. looking to to get a house. So we're here uh, either until we we get a house or until June when this uh, temporary lease is up. So okay. Uh, yeah, so I'm down the kind of the uh, basement area, I guess, right now. Um, right. We got a little office down here. Got a little, little doggy with me and. <laughs> Karen's upstairs working, so uh, okay. So yeah, we're we're keeping it real. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, Robert. So just to give you a little bit of insight, so um, I decided to put this project out because I don't know personally. I felt like there was kind of like a there was a gap in the Latin community as far as vegan veganism images, and maybe it could be uh, misinformation, and it could be a, a lack of a lack of knowledge or a lack of or role model figures. So I'm trying to kind of like uplift that community and then target, you know, all elements of veganism, so not just the, diet, the dietary part of it, 
I'm also yeah. focusing in activism and also focusing a little bit on the eco part of it also. So I want to be able to uplift that community. We're bringing some content, bringing some help, a lot of them to kind of bridge that gap and translate some of the, some of the information that is out there. And, um, and, and the reason why I felt like it was a need because I, I seen some of the curiosity and, and there's so, such a heavy culture, like, oh, I can't change this because of my culture. It's always a big content. So the reason why I brought you in is because I want to be able to, from you, kind of pick up your brain on a little bit of those things. Um, and, and we can go further down in the conversation on that. But before I even, before we even start talking about it, why you don't tell the folks who's Robert Cheek for the ones that don't know you? <laughs> Who's Robert Cheek? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, Roger, I'm still trying to figure that out myself uh, a lot of times. Um, and this is the Robert Cheek with a beard you've never seen before. <laughs> no one's ever seen him before. <laughs> with the Texas shirt and the beard. I don't know what, what, what happened to me. Um, you know, I guess uh, Robert Cheek, which would be me, is uh, uh, someone who adopted this vegan lifestyle a long time ago. 15-year-old kid growing up on a farm in 1995 before the internet really was around or was just coming of age. And it was something for me as a, as a farm kid growing up in Western Oregon. It was something that I wanted to do to help animals. I, mm. I raised animals. I showed animals at the county fair, at the state fair. I raised dairy cows. I raised chickens and rabbits. And uh, we had all kinds of other animals, ducks and uh, goats and turkeys and horses and ponies and uh, all, all geese, all kinds of animals. Mm. Um, and I just, once I, I kind of thought more about it, actually, my older sister really opened my eyes to a lot of the animal cruelty on a much larger scale, on a factory farm scale, on, a, on an animal testing scale, on a larger scale than just our, our family farm. Right. Uh, that's when I decided I no longer wanted to contribute to animal suffering the best that I could. You know? and, and so I went out on this vegan lifestyle. Uh, I didn't know how long it was going to last, you know, maybe a week, um, you know, maybe two weeks. Uh, I didn't really know. And uh, of course, now I'm in my 25th year doing this. And I, the reason I wasn't sure if it would stick was because I wanted to get bigger and stronger. You know, I was a small mm. kid. I was, I weighed 89 pounds when I was in eighth grade or the start of eighth grade. Uh, by the time I became vegan, I weighed 120 pounds as a sophomore in high school in December. And, you know, I wanted to get bigger and stronger like you. And I wasn't <laughs> sure I wasn't sure that I could without mm. animal protein. I, I mean, back in 1995, I really didn't know. But I stuck with it, stuck with it. Uh, I was a long-distance runner. I started training with weights, eventually put on some weight, uh, and then that weight started to come on faster. Right. And I turned into a competitive bodybuilder and and – went up to 195 pounds body weight and had a career for about 10 years in bodybuilding. And then I decided I want to write books, something I, I wanted to do since I was a kid. And so I retired from bodybuilding and started writing books and uh, dropped a little bit of weight because I wasn't training as hard and, or as much and got back into running again like I did when I was younger and uh, did that for a while and ran a bunch of half marathons and, yeah. and including a bunch with my wife and, and had a good time with that. But then I kind of missed uh, – being, you know, bigger and stronger. And right. so I started lifting weights again and actually got up to about 210 pounds, even a little mm -hmm. bit heavier than that. And, uh, and now I'm, I'm still writing books, you know, I'm working on my fifth book right now. I'm keeping busy with that. And, uh, I was traveling and touring until, and speaking, as you know, until yeah. a lot of this, 
this uh, issue happened recently where we're not traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I, I spent a lot of my time writing and promoting the, the vegan fitness lifestyle, mostly online these days, uh, until we can get out there on the road again. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I mean, this, this actually, this conversation is, is such personal for me because, as you know, and as many people have told you, you have been an inspiration for a lot of us. And, and there, was, there was a time in my life that I couldn't feel, I mean, I knew I was vegan. I had my reason why. I, I've mentioned, I'll tell you the story before. I, mean, I, I had my reason why I was vegan. So, but um, you know what? A funny thing is like, before I turned vegan, the, I had a mentor, right? Oh, I spoke with a guy, a friend of mine, which allowed me to kind of understand the vegan lifestyle a little bit more. But he pointed out from the, from the dietitian part of it. Like, hey, you need to eat healthy because that's going to allow you to live a lot longer. So that was his, that was his outtake. That was the way he showed it to me. However, that to me was not a big enough reason. So animal cruelty was the reason why I turned vegan and I've been vegan since. So I'm not 20 plus, I'm 18 years. But, <laughs> but that Amazing. allows me, <laughs> yeah, but that allows me to, that reason allows me to my, be vegan forever. So like, that, there's no other way around. However, um, there was a point in my life that I wanted to work out. And I went back to the same person that uh, showed me the ways of veganism. So and he told me, why do you want to be that big? Why do you want to have those many muscles? But one thing that I didn't understand is, and I don't want to try to put my friend on blast, is that his own scarcity or his own fear was the, what he was showcasing back to me. Cause, not because I have a show for decided I want to be big and strong, like you say. It's not the same goal he has. So since he doesn't right. have the same goals, he's he's reflecting that negativity on me. So what I did, I was like, ah, well, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? So I'm yeah. thinking, damn, Roger, if you would have started lifting weight 18 years ago, you would have been top Olympian, buddy. You would have done so much well. You know, so I started later in my journey as, as, a, as a physique athlete. Um, but I knew I always wanted to find another route. And when I found you, when I discovered you, this is like, okay, this, this, I'm not the only crazy guy doing this. There's somebody else is in the same journey as I am, vegan and bodybuilder. So I was like, okay, that's it. I'm, this is it. I'm, I fell in love with the sport. And that's why I was like, I'm a, I need to meet Robert. <laughs> so that's when I met you in Portland. It was the first time we met. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, in the, in the Portland Vet Fest. Uh-huh. Yeah, bro, she was like, man, you got some big old guns. And like. <laughs> yeah, you were. I always remember your biceps. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a, that was a really cool experience, and um, and but but for me, what what I gained of the whole interaction of meeting you was hold down to where you are, you know, how how, how approachable you are. You always see these people they take into celebrity status, and it's so hard to reach out to, especially ask questions because you're curious, like you want to know a lot of questions. You have you you have a lot of questions, and you want to be able to approach those persons and ask them about it. So that was one thing I got about like I, I this guy needs to be my friend because I, I can see <laughs> a longevity here. I can see we reviving in different levels no matter the time just because he's such an approachable person. It's, it's been that way. So uh whenever you need anything buddy I'm I'm here for you and anything I can help you. I appreciate that Roger. Thank you're you. Welcome. And that's you're been welcome. good seeing you're you around welcome. too around yeah. Texas, uh Caribbean, uh uh, uh Portland, uh you know wherever we cross paths. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, we have so much to talk. You know, I was wrestling in, in Colorado. I was wrestling in Colorado and I went to visit Vanessa. We met up. We met up. Oh, and, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It was. Oh, cool. It was, cool. How long ago was that? Um, That was 
I want to say it was like around February. Uh, okay, just recently then. Yeah, just recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just recently. Yeah, we met up for like a day or two, and then she showed me her boxing studio that she's building. Or yeah. she, I don't know. She completed it. She's up and running now. Um, back then, I haven't was, even been down there. I haven't even seen her because of this, really? this virus. I haven't no, even seen her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, we had the opportunity. So she took me there at some boxing. Vanessa is such a. She's an amazing athlete like i need to have her here because she 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 is she's in another level robert i i don't know but she is another level like, yeah she is the, the thing that she can do with the physique and his strength and the, i don't know where she's like a superhuman i'm telling you yeah like she was like bossing i was like i can't keep up with this girl she was like wow she was going hard at that and i was like oof, well I'm definitely not a boxer. <laughs> <laughs> you find that real quick, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, um, what do you wish you would have had known when you first started as a vegan? You know, I I think I a few things. I think I wish I would have known how society would change mm. because it was hard early on, um, and, and it really was. I was uh, uh, obviously a, a male athlete. Uh, not consuming any animals in high school and beyond. And yeah. that was difficult sometimes where a lot of my male friends, you know, maybe um, tease me or not understand, you know, why I'm not being, you know, a tough guy and eating animals and why I didn't want to, or why I even take the time to care about animals. It's kind of a uh, soft thing to do and not a super masculine thing to do, according to some, of course. And, it's, and, and during that time, that was 1990s, you know, uh, high school, teenage years, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing in particular is I, I, I wish I could kind of see what the future would look like. I, we had no idea. I mean, we hoped for a bright future. We hoped for a compassionate future, but it was hard to tell because the internet was, was just brand new. There weren't a lot, book, a, a lot of books out there. There were some, of course, no major documentaries or anything right. like that. And, and, and the percentage of people following, we didn't use plant-based back then. Never, no one ever used plant-based. Um, but percentage of people following a vegan lifestyle was small. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I mean, obviously I stuck with it and I, I, I pushed through and I, and I was very, very involved in um, various aspects of, of animal rights and uh, doing some uh, in the early days, you know, some protest stuff, just some peaceful protest stuff for circuses and old growth forests and things like that. And doing the vegan bake sales and all that in high school, raising money for, organizations and causes and doing a lot of leafleting and involved in food, not bombs, making uh, plant-based meals, vegan meals for the homeless or anybody in need. I did that for years. And, uh, you know, obviously things, things worked out to where we're at a place now where there's millions of vegans all over the world. There's some super vegan friendly cities throughout the world at Portland and Austin and New York, San Francisco, Seattle, LA and in the U S and, uh, Tel Aviv and Berlin and Sydney and Melbourne and all these fantastic places throughout the world. England, of course, all throughout England, London and everything. And, but, but more, I guess, pragmatically or practically for people to take something away. Um, what I wish I would have known then was a little bit more about food and nutrition. Mm -hmm. I didn't know a whole lot, to be honest, Roger. I was, uh, I was eating like bagels and chips and salsa Mm -hmm. and candy and soda, uh, anything that didn't have animals in it. And partly that was my age, partly 15, 16, 17 years old, partly 
lack of income. Right. You know, didn't have a lot of my own money, and so I couldn't make a lot of those decisions. I had to kind of eat what what my uh, mom was preparing or, or family was preparing, and that kind of thing, and then work a way around it and make some spaghetti or peanut butter or whatever. Uh, so I, I wish I would have known a little bit more about about just a variety of food back then. Mm. Um, even growing up on a farm, I mean, growing things like peas and beans and corn and squash and zucchini and cucumbers. I just didn't think a whole lot about nutritional variety. And then lastly, I think, uh, I, I wish I, I would have known how to actually build muscle on, on a plant-based diet. I didn't build muscle for the first few years. I was a long distance runner. I didn't know about eating a calorie surplus. I didn't know about, um, my calorie intake versus expenditure ratio. Didn't know about resistance weight training. Um, didn't know about calorie density and, and certain types of foods to include in the diet. And so I struggled at first with that goal of getting bigger and stronger, which I always had until I finally figured it out around 1999 or 2000 with the Bill Phillips body for life program. When that book came out and I was like, okay, now I know how many meals to eat, how many calories, how much protein, whatever the case is. And just to be consistent uh, with weight training and nutrition. And from there, I, I figured it out and went on to a, a, a long, fairly long 10-year bodybuilding career and had a chance to win some bodybuilding competitions and um, uh, take part in a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of fun, um, building muscle and training with friends um, and other vegan bodybuilders as well and watching them succeed and, and all of that. So uh, I figured some things out along the way, but early days, it was certainly a, a bit of trial and error. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great. You know, um, I don't know if you remember that. Uh, it's, it's 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 interesting how when people say things to you that create an impact in your life. And one of the things that you told me, my first ever competition in Austin, in twenty fourteen. I remember that. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but um, so they called my name. I got four plays, and I was devastated. I loved it. I got off the um, stage, sad, mad, disappointed. And yeah. you approached me and you told me, why are you even mad, Roger? I'm like, I wanted to win. And you said, but you got fourth place. Like, why are you even mad? This is your first show ever. Like, why are you even mad? Like, be grateful, keep working hard, and then keep going. Like, I didn't even place in my first show. That was Robert Sheets' word. I remember, like, it was yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, I'm not mad anymore. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go eat. Yeah. So like those those words were so. I mean, I don't probably you don't remember this, this conversation we had, but things like that make a big impact in people. Like just the fact that you came and approached me and you told me I didn't even play my first show. You played fourth. Just yeah, I played high. fourth in my first show, and I went on to win either my second or third show. I can't remember exactly, but I um, I maybe in the next show that I that I won, but I. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I was, and I was really optimistic. You know, I drove down to California from Oregon, you know, long drive and yeah. I was all excited. And, um, and I was really into the bodybuilding culture and all the bodybuilding magazines. And I was going to the Olympia and the Arnold and I was a big fan and everything. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I didn't do all that well. I mean, it, respectively, I just didn't, I didn't do what I thought I was capable of doing and I didn't place I, I didn't, you know, I got fourth and, uh, I just came back. I, I don't think I competed again until two years later. Um, and then I came back and I, and I won a show in Portland. And then I went on the very next year to the INBA natural bodybuilding world championships in California. Hmm. And I, I, now I was, 
a few years into it and a little more experienced, a little more competent. And, and I did, I did fairly well there. I, maybe my, one of my best physiques ever there. And then, you know, I went back and, and competed in a bunch of different federations, a total of five, five different federations back then, uh, including NPC and INBF and INBA and, uh, and uh, OCB, and then one local federation in Washington State. And I eventually went on to win another show, and I got runner-up about four times, including some that I probably could have won, but I, I made some mistakes with my posing and all that. And, and so and I, that used to drag on me. I used to be like you. I was kind of like, I, I don't know, mad or resentful or upset. Like, man, I, imagine if my resume said three, three-time champion or, or four-time. <laughs> right now it still says two. <laughs> but I could have done something differently. But, you know, you can't worry about that kind of stuff. And I found out, honestly, Roger, I found out I was, I was a much better writer than I was a bodybuilder. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, I was early and I did it. Then I had a lot of fun, but I was never great at bodybuilding. I, it, I was never really great at it. I was okay at it, I think. Mm. Um, I just happened to be one of the few guys around, so I got some extra attention that way, to be honest. You know, there wasn't a lot of people to throw on a podcast. We didn't have podcasts back then. Uh, there weren't a lot of people to put in magazines or newspapers. I was one of the only guys, and so I got some good attention. And, uh, but then when I started writing books, I realized like, that's something I'm, I'm quite a bit better at. And, and kind of like my, <laughs> kind of like my bodybuilding career, I thought my first book, Vegan Bodybuilding was just gonna just take off and just do amazingly well. And it didn't, it, it did okay, but not great, to be honest. Um, and again, I had to go back and learn. And I, so that's like, basically almost like coming in forth as a writer I had such high expectations and it didn't reach those. And so I didn't release another book for four years later. Uh, mm. Shred it, which you know all about. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> and played a part in. And when I really shred it, I was a better writer. Mm. Uh, and I, I was able to uh, acquire 28 uh, endorsements from world-renowned experts. I mean, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Esselstyn, um, uh, Rip Esselstyn, Rich Roll, Brian Wendell, Matt Frazier, Kathy Freston, Juliana Hever, uh, even uh, you know one of the guys from Def Leppard, um, who's, a, who's in incredible shape in his 60s and a longtime plant-based guy, and all these people. And that book, uh, that book took off and became a, a self-published bestseller, you know, and and helped me in my whole life, helped me go buy a house for the first time, and all these things because I I had spent that time learning from that first book that, you know, it was good, but it wasn't great. And then I made something that was uh, much more beneficial to readers and to myself. And that was like that, almost like that redemption of coming in, you know, first place as a writer, having learned that experience through bodybuilding. And so I really equate a lot of those to helping me and help, and therefore, you know, helping many others and helping the movement from that learning experience. Okay. So Robert, so used to piggyback on that. Do, have you ever feel like you failed before? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, all the time. In fact, I wrote an article called "I Failed." Yeah. Uh, that's the title of it, and I feel like I fail all the time. Mm. And that—that's what I believe is what has made me. If you want to, if you want to say, you know, successful in something, whether that's writing or when I did find some success in bodybuilding or as a runner or building a brand or whatever, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that, that that perceived success or whatever it was, was a result of a whole lot of failure 
because I, I realized at a young age I could I could I could fail often and I could accept it and I could learn from it and I could bounce back from it and I could get better from it. And so that's what I focused on. I I, I don't I'm not worried about about failing. Um, it's something I've experienced so much um, because anytime you're in a sport like an individual competitive sport, you don't have teammates to rely on. You don't have a, a you know, a coach and in, in the sense of, you know, organized sports, I'm talking about, right. uh, the responsibility is on you and, uh, and you carry that responsibility. And so I, I really equated a lot of my bodybuilding with, with some failure. Yeah. I never, I don't think I ever achieved my, my max potential. And I failed in a lot of ways, uh, launching brands and products and books and, uh, a bunch of presentations that didn't go so well that I'm like, <laughs> man, I wish I, I could have had that one back. Um, but that's how you get better. If you, if you dwell on that failure of your first competition and never do it again, right. then you never know what you could have become. Um, if you're, if your first book or your first podcast or your first YouTube video is a flop and nobody likes it. In fact, you get some bad feedback and you give up. You know, that's the failure is giving up, not trying again. And so um, I, I'm doing that all the time. You know, I mean, every day I failed yesterday. Uh, I, I, I planned to exercise more than I did mm. and I didn't do it. I got carried away with some other projects, including writing. And that was meaningful to me at the time was to focus on that on that writing of the new book and of a new article. And, you know, I failed to get the, the proper workout in, even though I had dumbbells like right behind me. Right behind you. So, yeah. But what I can do is uh, I can bounce back today and say, you know what, Robert, I did this podcast with Roger. You got off to a good start today. Uh, let's go get that workout in and then get back to work on writing. You know, and, <laughs> awesome. so that's, I think that's how I, I look at failure is that it's never a, it's never the end of the road. It's right. just a bump in the road and, and you come back and, I tell you, you know, as you know, nothing, nothing feels better than, than, uh, you know, redeeming yourself and overcoming that failure, even if it's just a, a failure, uh, to deliver some results that you expected to and come back better the next time and say, Hey, here's another side of me. Um, right. maybe before here's the successful side of me as this, you know, entity, whatever that is. Awesome. Yeah. There's a, there's a water buff. Warren Buffett um, quote that um, I think he's a story that he was telling one time that he uh, I think he was a Coca-Cola employee one time he made like a I don't know like a million dollar mistake uh, calling a shot in some kind of decision and everybody was like oh you're not gonna fire him you're not gonna fire him and he said nah that's a million dollar lesson that this guy has I don't think you're ever gonna make that mistake again <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's yeah. a really clever way of approaching it mm-hmm. Yeah. And whether big mistake or small mistake, you know, I think there's always an opportunity uh, to show another side of yourself. You know, if you didn't bring the best effort, didn't bring the best physique, didn't bring the best preparation and planning, didn't do the best job, didn't do the best speech or presentation or interview or whatever, you know, there's a chance, there's another chance, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to do it again and, and, and learn from that experience. Absolutely. I want to talk about your books, but before we go that route, um, I wanted to find out which, from you is how, which Latin countries that you visited in the past, and from those, which one has been the most vegan friendly? Either Good Central question. America, Central America, or South America. Yeah, you know, I've actually never been to South America. It's it's amazing. No? I've been to like five, no, I guess four continents. Um, but not South America. And I've, I've just been to Central America okay. on that, that cruise that I, you know, that yeah. you've been on too, the vegan cruise. Absolutely. And then back in the day when I used to work on cruise ships, 
I was in, um, uh, you know, a bunch of Caribbean countries and Central American countries. And so, um, so my experience is relatively limited, to be honest. It's just, it's just dropping in um, uh, to Puerto Rico, um, uh, Honduras, um, uh, uh, Colombia, uh, places like that. But just for the day, you know, just for like you getting off the ship and looking around. Right. So um, I don't have a, a ton of experience. Okay. Um, in um in latin countries and i and i actually want to explore more of them i just haven't um i i just i haven't had invitations to go speak there which is usually where i travel like when i went to asia when i went to australia when i went to europe those were all on speaking on speaking opportunities to talk about vegan fitness and health and all that um and i just haven't uh, had the opportunity to get uh invited to go go down there um but that's something that's an area that I would like to go just for personal travel, you know? So, um, I would have to default, <laughs> defer to you, uh, to give me some advice because good, um, good, good. <laughs> I, I really don't know. I, I mean, I was just in uh, Puerto Rico uh, a month ago, whatever on the vegan cruise a month and a half ago, right before yeah. this whole virus thing took off. Um, and that was great. And last year really enjoyed, um, uh, Panama and Colombia and, uh, uh, See Honduras the year before, but um, you know, like I said, experience pretty limited. Yeah, yeah well, um, I haven't been to a lot of countries in South America. I actually only been to two countries in South America, which is uh, Argentina and and Chile. Okay, and, great. and the funny thing is, like, if if people know Argentina, it's like the mecca of like barbecue. So yeah, that's they, what I've heard. Yeah, so I went to Argentina to learn about veganism. That's like the the most iconic thing ever that happened in my life like i remember my- that i remember that story now <laughs> so um so yeah so and i had the opportunity to learn veganism in argentina and um and that the first meal that i ever had vegan meal that i ever had in argentina was satan and i said is veganism is satan every day i'm sold <laughs> buddy <laughs> i'm sold so um so yeah so in Central America I've been to quite a few it's it's funny that even though I'm Panamanian I not, have not been to a lot of the countries in Central America but I've been to Costa Rica and they're very very vegan friendly it's a very vegan friendly place I'm not biased yeah. Costa Rica but um Panama is getting there but not as big as Costa Rica in my opinion but um but yeah there's quite a few um I think the the movement or the whole vegan movement is on the early stage. Uh, we, of course, we are here up north. We are where more advanced, including Mexico. They were more advanced, um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm trying to to create some kind of unity, some kind of break. Like I'm trying to figure out which are all the all the vegan authors. Like who's writing books? So why can we have all these people? So I'm trying to I'm trying to create some of that, and, and that's that's where I'm, I'm heading with this. All right, guys, that was part one of my interview with Robert Chick. He really shared a lot of good stuff, really good stories. And please do not miss second part of this interview. It's going to be out next week. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Don't forget to hit the like button. We're going to have also the video on YouTube. So see you next week, guys. Don't forget, love, peace, vegan. Gracias por escuchar Latino y Vegano. Un show donde se habla todo lo relacionado sobre el veganismo entre la comunidad latina. No olviden suscribirse a este podcast, seguirnos en Instagram, Facebook y
YouTube y a visitarnos en latinoypegano.com.